We'd like to welcome you back to part three of our current event and weekly Bible study for March 11, 2018. We're going to go ahead and continue on here. And the next report is called Watch Big Pharma. Watch, uh, and this is, uh, it's, it's Big Pharma terrified that medical marijuana will kill their deadly opioid business. Major pharmaceutical companies are pulling out their checkbooks to defeat marijuana legalization efforts around the country. The, the, the biggest problem you run into is when you see the marijuana legalization efforts, it's all these people with like hats with like big joints on their heads and with smoke coming out of them. And, you know, they just don't put, so many of them are just the, the typical, prototypical stoner that you would see. So they're kind of like their own worst enemies. Not all of them, but a lot of them are just, you know, bong smoking, toking. Yeah, man, they're doing interviews when they're high and, and they're, they're just acting like morons. And, and it's like, you guys are shooting yourselves in the feet collectively. And a lot of them, I think a lot of them are just doing it because they want to get high and they don't want anybody telling them when, when and where they can't. I, I wish it was more presented from the purely medical standpoint of all these things, gonna, all of the actual health benefits that you can, it, when done reasonably. Um, I wish that was the, the face that was uh, of the movement, but it, from what I've seen, it's really not. <laughs> so it, it's, it's easy for the stuffed shirts in Washington to say, look at these cretin, cretin you know, they're, they're these heathen devils that, you know, we're, we're going to make sure that, that they never get access to this and this type of stuff. So, um, but really what this is about is major pharmaceutical companies are pulling out their checkbooks to defeat marijuana legalization efforts around the country. The documents show that the industry is terrified about the prospects of medical marijuana eating into their opioid painkiller profits because they're just that evil and just that satanic, knowing that these are the most addictive substances just about on the planet, or one of them for sure. So let's go ahead and, and listen to this little report. Coming November, there are going to be a lot of ballot initiatives across the country uh, to either legalize marijuana completely or to legalize medical marijuana. Now, okay, now this was actually published. So this was published oh, in 2016 to September. So this is already, but it's still applicable what he's talking about here. A lot of states, there is a lot of pushback on these laws from more conservative organizations saying we've got to protect our children, we can't let them be exposed to the marijuana, we have to keep it out of their, uh, out of their reach, so we've got to keep it illegal, including medicinal marijuana, which you have to have a prescription for, but God forbid. We and again, I'm not, I'm not for children doing this or anything else. I'm t this study is purely the medical benefits and, the, and, and how we can actually use it to get you like okay let's say somebody's hooked on opiate-based painkillers that type of that's how that is what this study is all about okay people off of prescription drugs and so when you hear these talking points coming from people understand this those talking points about protecting our children or protecting morality whatever they want to say those are literally coming from the pharmaceutical industry exactly don't believe me check out the new which which is absolutely one of the most purest forms of evil that we've ever known, the pharma medical cartel. I mean, if I haven't proven that with all the previous teachings I've done, I don't know. I mean, they're the ones behind the vaccines. And I mean, the defiling our DNA with the DNA based fact. I mean, you know, there's nothing, there's, there, there's no evil they wouldn't stoop to. And, and there's all these diseases and all of these 
causes for all these diseases, Jerry's kids and the American Heart Association, and, and you know, plan or not Planned Parenthood, but that that's one of them. They're linked up, but um, Komen, Susie J. Komen, Race for the Cure, even though they're a major contributor to Planned Parenthood. It's funny they never ever ever discover cures for anything. They should. They're Susan G. Komen should be raised for the propagation of breast cancer. They're racing to propagate it and keep it propped up and propagated so that it never ends. So they'll keep raking in that money of all their from all their donors, and they're literally using that money to make sure that a cure never ever ever happens, and to keep you in the dark and have advertising campaigns to keep you in the dark or demonize anything. Or come after people that actually develop legitimate cures. That's what they're all about. They're about keeping people in bondage, making millions and millions of dollars, and getting you addicted and satanically demon-infested from their pharma medical uh, drugs, their sorcery, their pharmacia that they're pushing down your throat. That's what that's what it's all about. Report on the Intercept by Lee Fong where he uh, uh, talks about the fact that Insys Pharmaceuticals, the makers of the deadly opi opioid drug fentanyl, the very drug that killed Prince, they pay... Fentanyl is like a new supercharged version of, kind of like heroin, that they've been introducing more and more. And it's extremely powerful. It's like 10 times more powerful than heroin, I think. And they've had all these overdoses because of it. And there's this gigantic overdose pro problem now because what's happening is, is they'll take a little bit of, of heroin and a little bit of fentanyl and mix them together and sell it as heroin. And the junkies don't know that what they're getting is fentanyl because there's really no way to know unless you try it. And maybe they're used to a certain dose on heroin and then they're taking this and it's just killing them. Probably all by design because they, they, want, they want to kill all the junkies off too. So it's really nasty stuff. But the, but the drug dealers can make a better profit because it's so much more powerful they don't have to use as much of it. But it's not like you're getting full disclosure from your local drug dealer who's selling you heroin. You know, you don't really know. Aid or, or gave $500,000 to a group in Arizona that was trying to uh, uh, pass or trying to prevent the passage of a marijuana legalization bill. So... This group that makes these deadly opioids that are killing people, it's 50 times more potent than heroin, they're the ones out there fighting against medical marijuana legalization. Yep. And why is that? Because it's not just about the opioids. Turns out this group that Lee Fong wrote about, Insys, actually makes a synthetic version of THC cannabis oil that is far less effective yes. than full-blown... Because anything that God puts here in the full spectrum, like the whole food nutrients that, that I, I try to sell as much whole food supplements as I can, that's why I do it, because I'm trying to, if God put it here one way, let's not mess with it. The synthetic versions of TNC and all this, it's just like taking acetylsalicylic acid when you could just do the white willow bark you know, and, and, but the acetylsalicylic acid is actually has far more side effects, macular degeneration, stomach ulcers, stuff like that. And so it's the same thing here. They can, they, they can patent it. They can turn it into something synthetic. It's not going to work as well. It's probably going to be way more addictive and have obviously have way more side effects because now it is truly a drug. Okay. You've removed it from its indigenous environment, the cannabis plant, and now you've, synthetically manufactured that into a drug which will always have side effects and always be toxic to the system medical marijuana 
but they are worried, according to their own documents, that if medical marijuana legislation passes and people can get their hands on it, that their little synthetic opioid, uh, uh, THC, cannabinoid, whatever you want to call it, is not going to do very well, and they're not going to make as much money as they would if they were able to keep medical marijuana illegal in their state. This is a sickening story, because study after study has shown that, yes, medical marijuana works. Study after study has shown that Americans are increasingly dying from the use of opioid painkillers. They're addictive, they're dangerous, they're deadly. It's an absolute total epidemic. Law enforcement in certain areas of the country are absolutely totally overwhelmed. The EM, the EMTs, uh, the fire departments. I saw this one the other day, and it's like the fire departments were like, you know, when we first started, like I don't know, twenty years ago, we were like went out on calls for fires, you know, like what a fire department does. Now, the absolute vast majority of the calls are ODs because evidently they're called out as well because I guess they've got EMTs with them and. Almost every call is, and then they showed this log they had of all these overdoses they had went on like in the last month. And it was like page after page. And a lot of them have died. And it's like, are you kidding me? But, you know, it's fine because, you know, we have the medical pharma cartel getting everybody addicted to them on the on the whole Oxycontin. You know, you stub a toe, here's Oxycontin. Let's get you addicted to the stuff. Then you can't get it anymore. It's too expensive. Well, now, you know, you got to move up to because you're addicted now. Now you got to move up to the really good stuff, the heroin, which you know is like the wild west and fentanyl, and uh, so that's what that's what the plan is. They're poorly regulated and people are dying, but the pharmaceutical industry doesn't care about that. Nope. Because yeah, you might overdose on that bottle of pills, but we still got the money from that bottle of pills, so we're cool with it, yep. right? That big pharma's uh, uh, mantra. Mm-hmm. That's how they operate. They don't care if people feel better, if they get better. All they care about is to make sure that people keep walking into those pharmacies every day and buying those drugs regardless of what that drug is actually going to do to that person's body. That's why these groups are fighting back against medical marijuana. So anytime you see an ad, uh, a person on television talking about the dangers of medical marijuana, follow the money. And I guarantee you 100% of the time it's going to trace right back to the pharmaceutical industry. Yep. 100%. Like I said, I've had to really repent on this subject. I don't know if this is maybe one of the reasons God let this thing happen with my my eye. Because it's really caused me to look at this, you know, this plant that God put here that has literal, by taking it into your body, it interacts with all these different receptors that God put there that are in this endocannabinoid system. And it's like, well, I, I can't deny it. I, I, I can look at it now. And, and before, I, I kind of like closed my mind off to that. And, and I wasn't willing to look at that information because I was afraid of what I might find. And now I've, I've kind of been forced to, you know. And so it's been pretty humbling. Um, but, you know, uh, so that's what we're looking at here. So let's go further here. Uh, and here here's the radio interview. Just And I'm not going to play this, but... Uh, it's entitled, He Reversed His Glaucoma with Cannabis Oil. It's about the gentleman I said in California that reversed his, uh, now he's got closed angle. He's got the real bad stuff. But this is the only thing, and, and he used um, the Rick Simpson oil. Uh, the term Rick Simpson oil refers to an extremely potent de- decarboxylated extract produced from strong sedative indica strains. That's the kind that evidently um, the indica is very, very like sedative, relaxing. 
which have THC levels in the 90% range, but like my listener John, who had made it before in Oregon, where it was actually legal to make, he said as long as you're above 75%, you should be good. But it's 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 used for a lot more in glaucoma. Like I said, uh, cancer, I'm pretty sure, epilepsy, Parkinson's, uh, HIV, evidently, uh, obviously chronic pain control, stuff like that. It's not the only thing. It, it really depends on what you've got, uh, what condition you have would depend on what you would need. Like, do you need a sediva? Do you need indica? Do you need riximcinol? And I'm not an expert on any of that, okay? I'm not taking this either. It's, it's like, you know, the closest place you could even get this is um, uh, Colorado, and, you know, it's, you know. So, but unfortunately for me... <laughs> Um, you know, it seems to be about the only thing that I've been able to, um, find that will actually heal the optic nerve. Because once that optic nerve goes, whoa, is it hard to bring, man, I thought, I thought for sure all my whiz bang stuff, I could figure out how to, <laughs> and I'm like, well, I've, I've made a little progress and I'm, I'm happy. I'm grateful for that because supposedly with what i've got you should i should already be blind by now okay but um so i am grateful it's just that it's been tiny little baby steps in, in the right direction so i'm grateful um but it's it's kind of what got me to look at all this you know and here, here's another uh report and i'm not going to play this but it's uh, cannabis oil protocols and practice a whole bunch of doctors on stage giving testimonials at a conference in europe um and then there's another one watch you can it's called applications of cannabinoids in oncology meaning the treatment of cancer okay so they're using it in the treatment of cancer these are medical doctors doing this Uh, most of them are in other countries because you can't you know really do it here i'm sure or maybe you can in some of the states where it's legal i don't know I guess you can, but they probably really would want to come after you. Now, now look, let's look at another aspect of this, and this is the history of the war on cannabis. This is also pretty enlightening because you you look at who's who's been attacking this, and it's always the medical pharma cartel from its very very inception. And so, you know, a I mean, there's that expression: a man is known by his enemies. Well, you know, a substance can also be known by his enemies. Okay, and so th- I thought this was pretty enlightening. My mother was upset that I was writing a book on weed. I pulled this out, which is an unguent made of cannabis. And I said, Mom, do you have any pain? So it's, it's like a cream he's got with, I'm sure, probably a high THC level. Maybe, maybe it's just CBD, but I, I'm, I'm assuming it's the full extract. So he says, Mom, do you have any pain? She said, yes, my legs are hurting me. And I rubbed some on her, and in three minutes, her pain was gone. That was a pretty easy way of, of changing her mind. He's he's Joe Dulce, author of Brave New Weed, playing Brave New World. This was on PBS. I know why weed gets such a bad rap, because the U.S. government, in addition to many other governments, has been disseminating a lot of negative information about it for since 1937, really, so yeah. over 70 years. Even the name marijuana was a, an attempt by the U.S. government to sort of racially stigmatize a plant that had heretofore known as cannabis. What happened was there were a lot of Mexican workers flooding over the border, and a 
very clever bureaucrat named Harry Anslinger figured out that he could demonize those workers, at the same time demonize this weed. So what he did is he actually changed the name from cannabis, which was in medicine chests, to marijuana. So it was in medicine chests at the time. You know, it was, it was used by Americans. Okay, it wasn't demonized, it wasn't this what boogeyman thing, but myself, we've, a lot of us have been brainwashed on a lot of levels, that's all we've ever known, you know, and, and again, not to say there's not any truth to, okay, well, you've got some stoner that's just doing it to get high, that is a, that's a bad thing, that's not a good thing, okay, so anything has the potential for abuse, most things have the potential for abuse, Okay, but we, we only really see the negative aspects of it if you listen to the mainstream medical cartel type propaganda. Which became known as loco weed. They demonized it. He passed legislation. He kept his job going because he ran the Federal Bureau of Narcotics. Oh, how so convenient. He had something to do. How convenient. And he arrested people like Anita O'Day and Gene Krupa. He arrested musicians for smoking it. The war on drugs in America started when Richard Nixon had the very clever idea of associating the hippies and disorder with marijuana. When Ronald Reagan came into office in the 80s, he turned that war nuclear. He was spraying fields with paraquat. He was raiding people. He was arresting people. We had minimum drug sentencing laws. I think we're at a tipping point. Right Our prisons are absolutely full of people that have had, like, you know, been busted with minimal amounts. Of, of marijuana or maybe they were busted twice with minimal amount whatever our, our, our prisons are absolutely just brimming full with people on because of this because of, of marijuana which is a whole other subject that i've done studies on 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 how we've got the largest prison population by far per capita of any place on the planet in america and how that's a big racket in business and, and that all feeds into this in in if they can demonize marijuana and if they target it and if they prioritize it which they do then it's like and, and while they're not prioritizing other drugs that are far far worse like heroin like meth like cocaine we're going to look at all this and Knowing that marijuana actually has health benefits, but they want to keep it demonized. They want to keep it the the penalties for possession of it so severe that and, and and then keep all the propaganda going that you're going to really really ever think twice about even thinking about doing this stuff. Now, uh, it's the legalization of cannabis labeling is going to change the world of weed. In the same way you know that a shot of spirits equals a six-ounce glass of wine equals a 12-ounce bottle of beer, you're going to be able to dose. You're going to be able to understand the standards that we intuitively understand about alcohol. So, I agree. I mean, I agree with that. And whereas with the, the marijuana, because of the endocannabinoid system in the body, it has far more benefits than, than I mean, I understand there, there are studies about red wine, and a glass of red wine with meals can have, it has a lot of resveratrol, uh, antioxidants and things of this nature. I would think, though, that, you know, you'd really want to do organic and you'd really want to do the sulfite-free wine, um, ideally. Uh, but the potential, though, of cannabis far, far exceeds anything that, that a glass of wine. Now, you start to do anything excessively especially alcohol, then it really starts to have an opposite detrimental effect. Okay, um, so we have that video. Now let's go to the next one.
Now this one, you're not going to be able to hear it. Or you're going to hear maybe some music, but I'm just going to stop the comment on, on all the statistics that they're citing in the video itself. And it's not loading. This is called The War on Weed. Marijuana is a Schedule 1 drug. Schedule 1 drugs are... <laughs> this, is, this is just so insane. Schedule 1 drug is the worst type of drug that there is that, that supposedly has no medical benefit. You tell me they're not targeting this garbage. Schedule 1 drugs. Marijuana, heroin, and MDA, MDMA, and LSD. So it's in the same classification as LSD, acid, MDMA, which is one of those newer designer type really dangerous drugs, and heroin. It's in, the, it's in the same classification. Schedule 1 drugs are, let me just read this here, are the most dangerous drugs of all drug schedules with potentially severe psychological or physical dependence issues. That was straight from, a quote, straight from the United States of Drug Enforcement Administration. And you tell me they're not all in this together doing this on purpose. The DEA yoked up with the medical pharma cartel, yoked up with the wicked, evil, corrupt politicians that have all been bought off by the drug lobbyists. They're not all in this together. This is what got my eyes open. This more than almost anything. Lower classified Schedule II drugs, now this would be lower on the classification, Okay, would be cocaine, Vicodin, oxycodone, Okay, which is where everybody gets addicted to the to the heroin from a lot of from oxy and methamphetamine meth meth i mean you do meth you get hooked on meth your lifespan's like three to five years maximum how could methamphetamine not be on schedule one how could how could marijuana even be anywhere near any of these other drugs you're telling me cocaine is less um poses less Health risks than marijuana. Marijuana, actually, from what we're seeing, has all kind of beneficial health things. It does. Okay? Endocannabinoid system. Cocaine doesn't do any of that. You ever see how they make cocaine? Or how they make methamphetamine? Or how they make heroin? I mean, it is the most wicked, evil things they use in the processing of cocaine and meth and all this stuff. I mean, it is so evil and crazy and insane Especially with meth, I mean, you got to worry about if, if you're making an, any kind of quantity of the whole place blowing up. Whereas cannabis is just the weed that was grown, you know, and sometimes they'll make something like Rick Simpson oil, which is much a more purified form of the same plant. They're not adding to, taking away. All these other drugs are typically made in the most horrific ways possible, and we know how wicked and evil oxycodone can be. But these are Schedule II drugs that are listed as safer. Cocaine, Vicodin, oxycodone, and methamphetamine. They're listed as safer than marijuana. It is so stinking obvious that this is a satanic plot to do what they're doing to marijuana and to get incarcerate as many people doing it. It's too much competition. There's too much potential for it. It can cure too many things. These other things will cure nothing. What's more dangerous? Okay. This is, okay, so this is an average year. Deaths 
480,000 deaths per year from tobacco. Okay, cigarettes, 480. Alcohol, we had already talked about that, 88,000. Okay. Prescription painkillers, they're saying 16. That's more like 100,000. I don't know where they're getting their stats. Cocaine, 4,681. I Again, I think that's way underblown. Heroin, 4,300, way underblown. Way underblown. But marijuana is basically, every year is basically zero. Now, I'm not saying that if you abuse it and you're smoking it all the time, in particular smoking it, I just think it'd be much more healthy for you to ingest it, like the, that Rick Simpson oil. Because you're not burning it. You're not burning it and taking that burn smoke into your lungs. To me, it just seems logical that it would be a much more healthier way to get it into your system. Marijuana zero. Okay. And then some people could argue, yeah, but there's this and there's that. Okay. Okay. Let's say marijuana a hundred. Let's, let's just give it, it doesn't, it pales in comparison to any other drug. And I mean, but really I can't say it's a hundred because according to CDC, this is 2011 overdose deaths only support. This is from the centers for disease control, zero deaths from cannabis. Okay. So that's from the right from Satan's mouth, the CDC, who wants to demonize this, and they still can't say anybody's dying from it. Marijuana, zero overdose, ever. Tobacco only kills 480,000 a year. 23 states, uh, now, this was 2015, so it might be more, I don't know. 23 states in the District of Columbia currently have laws legalizing marijuana in some form. And here it shows a chart of the states the they've actually legalized recreational use in colorado oregon and seattle and alaska it looks like and medical marijuana is legalized in a lot of other states and america still arrests a lot of people for it for marijuana all by design about 700,000 people annually for violating state marijuana laws. 700,000 people into the for-profit incarceration systems of America. For-profit. All by design. 52% of all drug arrests in 2010 were for marijuana. 52%. You know why? Because they prioritize it. Jeff Sessions and all these people, they prioritize it. They will, t I mean, I even saw this in the drug things. They will come in. These guys will even admit it, the ones that in the towns, and they don't even want to do it, but they're like, we've been told by our higher-ups on these shows like Drugs Inc. And I'm not saying watch those shows. I'm saying in the, in the stuff that I've seen from them, they will say a lot of times, if they're honest, we've been told by our higher-ups that I don't care how bad how many people are dropping dead of fentanyl and heroin. I don't care how many people are hooked on meth and, and dropping dead of those overdoses and all these other designer drugs and party drugs and all this other stuff. We don't care. We want you to prioritize marijuana because it's way too much competition and they're all bought and paid for by the pharma medical cartel. It's that bad. And state laws can be surprisingly harsh for even small possession of marijuana. Arizona, the only state to designate marijuana as a felony offense. Good old Arizona for first-time pot possession. Felony. 
Texas, those convicted face up to 180 days in jail and a $2,000 fine, even upon a first conviction. Are you kidding me? Yet you could be whacked out of your mind on alcohol or whacked out of your mind. Now, I'm not saying if like, you got caught, pulled over for drunk driving, you wouldn't be. I'm saying that you can't, this, is, this is illegal to do it in, in your home. You could do alcohol in your home and get way more whacked out, way more violent, way more. You can get whacked out on psychotropic meds that your doctor prescribes you and have much more of a propensity for violence just on things like Prozac, which aren't even painkillers. You know, it's just psychotropic meds to affect brain chemistry. You could be far more messed up, addicted, whacked out of your brain on that stuff and have faced no fines whatsoever. Why? Because it's all satanic. Florida, possession of over 20 grams as well as cultivation of even a single pot plant is a felony offense. Felony. You're going to do tall time. Punishable by, by up to five years in prison for growing one pot plant in Florida. Tall time. Marijuana is the largest contributor to the war on drugs, obviously. Yep. That's where that's where most of the money goes to this quote war on drugs. America spends 3.6 billion enforcing these laws on possession annually. 3.6 billion. Marijuana abuse has been linked, in the, and again, let's present both sides of the story. Cognitive weakness, I've seen that firsthand. You people that do it every day, all the time. Educational deficiencies, seen that firsthand. They're doing it every day, all the time. Increase in accidents and lung disease. Okay, so let's not say that there's no negative side, because that's not fair either. But again, it's, it's about, okay, are you going to do it reasonably? Are you going to do it for a medical condition? Are you going to do the kind, the type you need for whatever you're trying to battle? Or are you going to do it like some stoner does it and just do it for the sake of getting whacked out of your mind? That's the difference. It does not lead to harder drug use from what they're saying. Do our laws reflect the reality of marijuana use? Okay, so we have that. All right, now let's go, let's go further. Uh, okay. Okay, this, this video is entitled Cannabis Prohibition of War on the People. Now, this goes on for 25 minutes. I'm only going to play like the first five, four or five minutes here. A War on the People pot documentary. And here it's showing a whole bunch of people, I'm probably somewhere in Africa, and they're just burning bales and bales and bales of cannabis. I mean, it's more cannabis. It's a literal like mountain of cannabis that they're, I mean, it is more than I've ever seen in one spot, ever. And they're just burning it all. It's just unbelievable the amount we're looking at. And it's just showing them throwing it into this thing where they're gonna they're gonna spray it with some kind of accelerant, probably gas, diesel, I don't know. And now they're burning it, burning all the bales at the same time. Cannabis prohibition of war on the people. Which really, I'm, I'm hoping you're seeing that that's exactly what this is. You know, incarcerate the people, 
keep this keep the, the cures that are based in it out of our reach get us addicted to opiate based painkillers and all these other drugs it's all by design and um okay so they're just showing more and more uh, like dea or whatever officers uh burning the cannabis and um showing that sorry i shouldn't have even included the this early part. 20th century the consumption production sale and distribution of alcohol were criminal acts in north america alcohol's illicit status led to rampant underground bars bootlegging smuggling violence and homemade booze organized crime thrived in this completely unregulated market creating wealthy and powerful criminals like al capone today the same unreasonable unscientific and oppressive prohibition tactics are in force but on a much larger scale and with more human casualties echoing the horrible mistake that was alcohol prohibition the war on drugs and particularly the war on cannabis which will be the focus of this video is making criminals out of countless ordinary people worldwide this irresponsible policy must come to an end it is time for the government of canada and the other governments of the world to legalize cannabis For thousands of years, cannabis has been used by humans for medicinal and recreational purposes, but also for the production of many goods, like rope, fuel, paper, textiles, and food. See, we haven't even talked about hemp. I've done that in previous studies. All the unbelievable uses of hemp and how unbelievably sturdy and durable the longevity of hemp, how cheap it is to produce it because this stuff is like a, it's like a weed. Cannabis is a weed and it's got all of these benefits that it, that it can actually give but again, that's, you know, competition to other industries then, the hemp industry. Cannabis was only deemed illegal in 1923 in Canada without public or parliamentary debate and became illegal in the U.S. in 1937, even though American farmers were once prosecuted for not growing cannabis. Since the oppressive laws were introduced, special interest groups and world governments have been spreading lies and propaganda to keep cannabis illegal. A famous example of anti-cannabis propaganda is Reefer Madness, where users are portrayed as murderous and unpredictable psychopaths. I mean, listen to this stinking maggot propaganda, this Reefer Madness of all, all these people, these stuffed shirt people listening to this, and, you know, these people are going to be just murderers and, and all the stuff, when it's basically kind of does the exact opposite from what I've seen. Pression of the use of marijuana and of the forces lurking behind it are the most important jobs this department is now engaged in. The most important. So see, it was a big priority back then. The pharma medical cartel knew that this stuff had way too much potential and could cure way too many things and they weren't about in the, in the job of curing nothing even back then. They were about the job of disease propagation. And keeping you addicted to their pain pills until you eventually became a surgical candidate. And keeping you addicted into their system. And then you had to take one drug, which had side effects. And you have to take more drugs to counteract those side effects. Keeping you locked into their medical pharmaceutical control cartel. They couldn't accomplish that with cannabis. The dried leaves and berries are ground up and made into cigarettes by a simple hand machine. The deadly narcotic is thus quickly and deadly, easily prepared for the deadly drug. narcotic i love that deadly so here's a show evidently a, a, a hollywood production back then of these two people 
that were smoking weed and and uh, you can't see what they're doing but I'll describe it I know what you want you want to kill me so he's he's now he's paranoid schizophrenic delusional because he smoked a joint you're crazy Take see he's he's crazy because he smoked weed easy kid I just want to talk to you. So, so the guy then takes this cane and smashes him over this this nice guy that said, "Take it easy, kid. I just want to talk to you." He smashes him over the head because you you get so violent smoking weed and so out of control with rage and craziness that you 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 know you kill people and stuff. And now he, and he, now he keeps beating him until he's dead, I guess. And then the other lady that was in the room with him, evidently they bust her, and so she feels like there's only one way out, and she literally, she jumps through a plate glass window like they're like eight stories up and kills herself. Because that happens all the time with people that are on weed. This is the propaganda that started way back then when, by Hollywood, who's also yoked up with the medical car, pharmaceutical cartel, to propagate these lies and these myths. What actors? I mean, we're talking Academy Award-winning stuff here. I mean, they they should have got a Grammy, an Oscar, NASCAR. I I mean, every kind of award you could possibly get. You know. And other members of the U.S. government have destroyed scientific studies on cannabis that they commissioned with taxpayer dollars because the information proved cannabis was not as harmful as thought. So they they destroyed these studies that proved it was it was helpful and, and beneficial. So they just destroyed those with taxpayer dollars. Should be legal. Robert Nicholson, Attorney General of Canada and Minister of Justice, says the Canadian people want cannabis to remain illegal and fear what ending prohibition. <laughs> I love it how he speaks for all of humanity. And may mean for their vulnerable communities. But we're very clear to the people who are in the business of destroying people's lives, the people who like to sell these things to children and around schools, who uh, think that the grow-up business is a great career opportunity, uh, people who uh, think a, a smart business... Now, I'm not for selling it to children or anything like that. I'm talking about here, medical applications, what we're talking about today. We start importing drugs into this country. We send out a very clear message to them. You're going to jail if you get caught and convicted on, under these new laws. And I think that's exactly what Canadians have been wanting and have been waiting to hear from their government. Oh, yes. Ottawa. With bated breath. With bated breath. He's going to deliver. We're all going to go to jail. Everybody that even does anything having to do with cannabis, we're all going to go to jail. Just even, even if you talk about it. I mean, give me a break. All right. Next report. This is a conservative judge, Jim Gray, his take on cannabis and six groups who benefit from drug prohibition. And when he's talking about drug prohibition, he's, and you're going to see at the end, he's primarily talking about cannabis prohibition. And I don't think we're talking about like meth prohibition, like let's legalize meth and let's legalize heroin. This is really on cannabis prohibition. So let's go ahead and hear what he has to say. The government has as much of a right to control what I as an adult put into my body as it does what I put into my mind. It's none of their business. When I 
was appointed to the bench by Governor Duke Machen at the end of 1983, uh, I was still a drug warrior. You know, I'd been a member of Navy JAG, uh, actually writing charge sheets against my fellow shipmates from the Naval Air Station in Guam, uh, who had been in, uh, run afoul of various laws, certainly including drug laws. I was a criminal defense attorney representing other people from different uh, stations who were charged with drug offenses, among others. Uh, and then I was a federal prosecutor for several years in Los Angeles. In fact, I held the, the record for the largest drug prosecution in the Central District of California back in 1978, uh, 75 kilos of heroin, 160 pounds, which was and is a whole lot of heroin. Uh, does anyone have a concept of what the drug prosecution record is today in the Central District of California? Uh, 18 tons of cocaine in one place, actually, in Silma. So, like, 75 kilos of heroin at the time was, like, the biggest bust. Now they're, they're, they're doing it by, like, you know, metric tons of, of the drugs. So, in other words, the drug war has not worked. Okay, now, remember, I've talked all about this, about Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton flying in the, the C-40 planes in Amina, Arkansas... Uh, full of cocaine. Our government's been bringing this stuff in for years under, under various covers of night and these types of things. And they just don't want competition. They, they don't like competition if you're not willing to play ball with them. So this is something our government's done, brought into the country these illicit drugs like cocaine, obviously heroin. I mean, our, our troops are over there guarding the poppy fields, or they have been. We're going to look at that. All of this has been done by design to destroy the average American, anybody that they can get on drugs. Because the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And so bringing these, the really bad drugs into the America by our own government has been a gigantic priority for a long, long time. Uh, and then the medical pharma, pharma cartels yoked up a lot with it too. So, you know, we're just dealing with pure evil here. So you begin to look at your own experience you look at what's going on in your own courtroom. You're churning low-level drug offenders through the system for no good purpose whatsoever. Uh, you are arresting some even high-level dealers. Uh, and if you do that, does that mean that heroin is no longer available on the streets of Santa Ana or wherever? Uh, no, it doesn't mean that at all. It just means that somebody else sees that as an employment opportunity. And I came to the realization at that time, and that realization has to be understood by others. The tougher we get with regard to drug crime, literally the softer we get with regard to the prosecution of everything else. And in 1990, we were only... And he's really talking about the tougher we get with... The cannabis charges we're handing now, which, like I said, they've been prioritizing this since 1937. Okay, it's been the main one of the main things they've wanted to go after is that. Okay, half as successful in prosecuting homicides countrywide as we had been in 1980. Why? Well, because the Reagan administration once again had ratcheted up the, the war on drugs, so we were using all of these prosecutorial resources to prosecute nonviolent drug offenders such that robbers, rapers, and murderers were being able to skate with regard to their charges because we didn't devote those resources for that offense. Right. Who is That's a whole other <laughs> aspect I hadn't even got into yet. Winning today with regard to this failed policy, and I have six groups. Travel along with me and see if you agree. The first group, obviously, are the drug lords. Big-time drug dealers. They're making hundreds of millions, billions of dollars every year, tax-free, by the way, and they're clearly winning. The number two group of people that are winning are those in juvenile gangs. Pretty much every juvenile gang we have in our country...
industry gets its primary source of funding for the sale of illegal drugs, and now they're using it as a recruiting tool to bring more children into this lifestyle because they too can be part of the action and make some money. Number three group of people that are winning are basically those in law enforcement that are making big time government money to fight against the first two groups. And I'm not the, the war on drugs, okay, which is like what I said. They're told to prioritize over heroin, over coke, over meth. Now, I, 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 granted, I'm not saying in a given locality if meth was the biggest thing or whatever they would, but I'm talking about overall. I've heard enough of these guys in high-level law enforcement say oh, this is what we're told to do by the higher-ups. Focus in on marijuana. It is the bane of all. It's it's you know way too much competition for the medical pharma cartel. Pointing the finger at law enforcement, they haven't failed us any more for the war on drugs than Elliot Ness failed us with regard to the war on alcohol. Uh, but it's the system. But nevertheless, their bureaucracies have expanded, their amounts of money, their power have all expanded as well. They're winning. Fourth group of people are the politicians that basically talk tough with regard to the war on drugs. Not smart, but they get elected and re-elected by talking tough. Of course, it's our fault because we continue to elect them, but they come out ahead. Number five groups are those in the private sector that make money because of increased crime. Who might that be? Obviously, the people that build prisons, enormously mm -hmm. lucrative occupation. Yep. People that staff prisons. In the state of California, the Prison Guards Union is the strongest political lobby group we have. They're winning, and of course, they're laughing at us. And the sixth group of people that are winning are the terrorist organizations of the world. You look at any terrorist organization from Osama bin Laden or anywhere else, the primary source of funding is drug money. It's the sale of illegal drugs to the degree that I say that... And then our troops go over to Afghanistan and guard the poppy to, to, to add insult to injury. Drug prohibition is the golden goose of terrorism. And if our government really wanted to do something damaging to terrorist groups around the world, they would take the one step that would do that, repeal drug prohibition. Who is losing? Everybody else. I've been speaking actively against our nation's drug policy since 1992. The first national TV show I was on, they basically stacked it with a lot of uh, parents of drug, drug uh, problems for their kids. And the first question I got was, why are you trying to kill my son? And it kind of got worse from there. That doesn't happen anymore. People are beginning to understand. There is an initiative now in California to treat marijuana like alcohol for adults. What would happen if this were to pass? Well, six things. The first five demonstrably beneficial. Then and we'll this was done in 2010. Okay, so I'm pretty sure they, it's legal there now. Um, so, well, anyway. Talk about the sixth. The first thing that would happen is we in the state of California as taxpayers literally could save hundreds of millions of dollars per year, if not a billion dollars a year, that now we actually spend in a futile effort to try to eradicate marijuana as well as to incarcerate, prosecute and incarcerate nonviolent marijuana offenders. And of course you can tell how successful we are in, in uh, the eradication of marijuana because it's still the largest cash crop in the state of California. And number two is grapes, by the way, if you care. So that's a billion dollars or so that we can save. Number two, we could tax the silly stuff and generate revenue, according to the head, the chair of the State Board of Equalization, of about $1.3 billion every year. So now that's about a $2.3 billion shift. And yet, yes, it is legal now in, in uh, California. It just became legal uh, just a few months ago, it looks like. 
in the budget deficit for the state of California, you'd think somebody would notice. But the third thing trumps the first two, and that is we would make marijuana less available for children than it is today. That is something that really does deserve a great deal of attention. Number four, the entire hemp industry could be revitalized. Yes. It goes back thousands of years to the degree that in ancient Greek, the word canvas and cannabis were synonymous. They were the same word. Uh, and we have simply thwarted that entire really important uh, industrial purpose. Yes. We do have our merchants using hemp today. And by the way, hemp, you know, is just the stock. And it's, the it's relatively easy to grow. It's a weed. <laughs> you know, it's kind of, it's kind of, they call it weed. So, I mean, you know, it's not like the hardest crop on the... Granted, you try to grow it indoors and do all this hydroponic or whatever you're doing, you know. But, you know, the hemp thing by itself is gigantic. Marijuana plant, it has no mind-altering properties whatsoever, but it can be used for all kinds of really beneficial purposes. So now our merchants import the raw material from those radical countries like Canada and England, for heaven's sake, penalizing ourselves and our own agricultural purposes. Uh, you'd think that we could somehow realize what's going on because uh, the Canadian hemp uh, field is worth, you know, got a billion dollars a year. And the fifth thing, this entire medical marijuana issue would pretty much dissolve. And hooray for that. It would get some control on it, regulate it, control it, tax it, and bring it back under the law. Then there's the sixth thing. What's that going that, That's if they were going to do the right thing as far as bring it back under the law. You know, which I, it would take a lot of convincing on my part to trust them fully. But I, but I hope you're seeing what he's saying, though. All of the advantages of doing what he's saying to do to marijuana usage by adults. And any economist, of course, will tell you that's really pretty simple. It will increase marijuana use by adults, uh, all things being equal. But all things are not going to be equal. We'll probably soon start experiencing the what I call the Holland effect. Because in Holland, anybody 16 years of age or older can go to a coffee house and can get coffee and sandwiches and tea and also marijuana and hashish. The Minister of Health of Holland held a press conference not all that long ago and said, we in our country have only half the marijuana consumption per capita as you do in the United States of America, both for adults and for teenagers. Wait a minute, you hear that? Both for adults and for teenagers. Then went on to explain why. You know what he said? He said, we have succeeded in making pot boring. People that are supporting the status quo are on the wrong side of history just like the people that, that uh, the, the Billy Sundays and, and uh, the Anslingers and the rest who supported alcohol prohibition were on the wrong side of history. It's just a question of when. And then I guarantee anyone who will listen that two years after we change away from this failed and hopeless policy, everybody will join arms, look back astonished, aghast that we could have perpetuated such a failed system for so long. The best thing I can do for my country is to help us repeal drug prohibition. It's the most patriotic thing now, that I'm able to do. Notice, though, all he talked about was cannabis. When he says drug prohibition, don't, I, don't, I don't believe that what he means is like meth. And I mean, like, you know, I, I hope he doesn't mean that. But obviously, all he really referenced there was cannabis. Okay, so um, we have that. Now, let me see where we're at on time. Okay. Uh, here is an incredible marijuana research shows many Crohn's disease patients are in remission by using and improves Dr. Drew even more wrong. Evidently, Dr. Drew is a real big, gigantic demonizer of anything marijuana. Um, 
A study of marijuana's effect on Crohn's disease shows incredible results, adding to long a long and growing list of ways pot can be used as a medicine and a therapy. Excuse me. And despite the evidence, the plant remains a Schedule One drug, right up there with heroin. Do them. Listen, here's a new medical experiment. They found out that a medical marijuana study finds that 45% of Crohn's patients are in remission after taking a little weed. Crohn's. Now, what is Crohn's, Steph? Crohn's is an inflammation of the bowels, your intestines. It's very, very bad for people that, that have it. I have a Crohn's protocol. Um, also implementing what they call a rotation diet. I had one... It's actually a lady I work with back in Florida. I just put her on a rotation diet and her Crohn's went away. And you can look that up online. What is a rotation diet? Um, her, her Crohn's went away. And I, I believe I got a good protocol. But this is saying that, you know, this is incredibly promising for it as well. Crohn's very, very, very painful. Very hard to treat. It's uh, it's kind of like an autoimmune kind of a thing. It's your body just, uh, right? What, is, what does it say about yeah, yeah, Crohn's yeah, disease? Yeah, you got it. You got it. So Crohn's disease is not a good thing. I know people with Crohn's disease. I, they thought I had Crohn's disease for a while. I had something similar. That's tough. It's a tough thing. Uh, turns out marijuana helps it. Turns out I did a study in Tel Aviv, by the way, because they don't allow them to study marijuana. You know, you got to go over and uh, what they found out after their eight weeks, five out of the 11 patients, 45% in the oh, cannabis wow. group, had experienced a complete remission of their Crohn's disease. And I mean, again, what if you did this with like a good flora, okay, like the innate 2014 and then like, let's say the innate GI response, which is literally to heal the bowel and the intestines. It's, that's literally what it's for. See, I, the thing is, is I think then you would start to approach 100% remission because cannabis is not going to put good flora in your body. It can't. It cannot create something out of thin air. It can maybe put your body in the right environment, but it's not going to create flora. And most people are very deficient in flora because we eat antibiotic-rich foods like meats and, and we, a lot of people take antibiotics. There's the antibiotics in the meats and we eat the meats and, and, and that kills all your flora. So that... Without that, I think you're just totally tying your hands behind your back. You do those two things I just said. GI response by innate response for me. It's a powder and a good, like the Flora 2014. And then let's say you add this in. I would almost guarantee you'd probably approach, you know, near 100% or, or gigantic improvement at bare minimum. And I could do more than that. Those are just two of the main products I would do. So understand everything has its limitations. And that's probably why, I mean, but even even though they did nothing else, 45% experienced complete remission of their Crohn's disease. That's a huge deal. It was only a an eight-week study. And they had no significant side effects. Oh, 10 out of the 11. I'm so, okay, so five out of the 11 experienced complete remission. But 10 out of the 11, okay, experience a clinical response of improved symptoms with no significant side effects. So it virtually helped almost everybody other than one person. Five out of 11 patients. Complete remission, 
10 out of the 11 experienced clinical response of improved symptoms with no significant side effects. Tell you, marijuana is a wonder drug. That's amazing. It, it is a wonder drug. And of course we make it illegal. It's that endocannabinoid system. It has all these receptors all over the body. You start putting this stuff in your body, and the body says, ah, I can use this as a medicine to heal me. And that's what it's doing. And that's what I wasn't acknowledging before. Okay? And, and I admit, I, I, <laughs> I admit I wasn't. I, I did not realize all the positive medical benefits. Uh, yeah, I'd seen some of the stuff, but man, I, you know, there's people that are getting total remission of cancer from this stuff. Uh, people, Parkinson's patients that can't be helped in any other way. I mean, leukemia, uh, seizures, epilepsy, gigantically huge. And I'm pretty sure they're just doing that with CBD oil. I mean, epilepsy's tough to help. I got a protocol. But man, that can be a tough one to help. It's amazing. Of course they made it illegal. It's not illegal because it's bad for you. It's illegal because of money. It's like everything. Yep. It's not bad for you. Marijuana is not bad for you. It's not bad for you. Don't listen to Dr. Drew. So, again, too much of anything is not good. Okay, so let's let's put a cap on things. You know, I mean, I'm not going to go that far. You do you do too much of anything. It's not a good thing. But, I mean, obviously, in the context of using it from a medicinal standpoint in like controlled amounts for specific conditions man this can be like a miracle and i don't mean a miracle drug i mean a miracle uh phytochemical plant-based phytochemical that god did put here with specific carabinoid receptors in the body that god put there so i i can't i can't deny it anymore i mean you know <laughs> uh all right so hmm, let me see where we're at here I'm going to probably go ahead and end part three here and go to part four because I don't want what happened to me last week to happen again. So hopefully this will be the fourth and final part. God bless you and see you in part four.